talked, uh, talked in the last session about how the cross and the resurrection is that moment in history when Jesus destroys the rocks of sin and sickness and sadness and death, the promise of the new creation, a better day is coming. This whole weekend, in a sense, has been about us thinking about God's challenge to us to partner with him on breaking some of the rocks in our society, the rocks in other people's lives, and how we cooperate with him. And every time we do, it's the sign of new creation. It's the sign of the kingdom, living inventorously, moving the fence, being angry about injustice, and in all those things, embracing Jesus and knowing that everything else flows out of that. But what about your rock this morning? Uh, Are you feeling very light because you don't feel like you're carrying anything because Jesus has fully dealt with it, which would be fantastic? Or actually, in honesty, are you carrying some things this morning that you shouldn't be carrying? Does God want to meet with you? And have you leave this place this morning that little bit freer? That little bit freer. Maybe it is for you an issue of sadness. And today on Father's Day, particularly for some of us, that may be more poignant. And some of the stuff I've talked about, even as I've shared about my friend John Brassett, I know for some of you, I'm sure... It's brought a memory of someone else and you feel sad. And God, by his spirit, God of comfort, wants to reach in and bring some healing and wholeness to our broken hearts. Maybe some of us are carrying some sickness. Either for us or for someone else. And again, God wants to meet with us to bring healing and wholeness. I don't know why sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. What I know is if we pray, something might happen. If we don't, nothing will happen. So we should pray. And maybe some of us are struggling with sin. Maybe there's stuff that we just feel bound in and we can't be free. And today, Jesus wants you to be he breaks the rocks of addiction he breaks the the hold that sin has over us when when the bible speaks about salvation the greek word it uses is sota and it doesn't just mean saving us from our sin sin sickness and the power that satan has over us that's the entirety of this word and maybe we feel that we're stuck in habits that are killing us Maybe there's a few of us here this morning who haven't yet decided to embrace Jesus. And we're carrying all of the rocks of sin and in its many ways around with us. And Jesus is saying to us today, let me have that. Let me forgive you. Let me free you. And let me give you a great future. And so I'm going to hand back to to Simon to help us to think about how do we respond to God personally this morning 
who, as this weekend comes to a close, wants to bring freedom to us in the rocks that we carry. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He cares for you. Let's be quiet then for a moment. And I guess some of us here don't need a moment because as Matt was speaking just in this last three or four minutes, you knew what your rock was. It might be that you feel like you're carrying many rocks, but you knew the rock that the Holy Spirit was putting his finger on just now. And we believe that God speaks, and and God speaks into our lives not to condemn us, but because he wants to free us and release us and, and forgive us and deliver us. So that which is making you feel condemned right now is the very thing that God would seek to deal with today. That very thing. So if you have a rock of anxiety, of some kind of sickness, of something you're carrying that's heavy, of a sin that's entangling you, or of, of a situation that uh, is just pressing down on you, if you have a rock of any kind that you want to lift to Jesus this morning, because we believe that he breaks rocks, pushes rocks out of the way, the rock in front of the tomb, it was all over, but that rock was just rolled out of the way. If you want him to lift a rock, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are as a sign that I'm having, I have this rock and I'm serious today about lifting it to Jesus. I invite you to stand now if you have a rock that you want to lift to Jesus this morning. So we've all been in this moment. We've all been the person standing. We've all known what it is for God to speak into our lives and put his finger on something that he wants to deal with for our greater good, either in ourselves or in someone else, on whose behalf we are standing. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I invite you, Holy Spirit, just to minister to each person that's standing because you know the ins and outs, the twists and turns of every life before you. Not even a hair of their head is unknown to you, unnumbered, uncounted. Not even a moment of their days has taken place without you knowing. You don't need us to be clever with our words or clever with our, uh, our ideas. Your Holy Spirit, would you just come and minister because you know. And so as we heard on the first night, Jesus is everything. He's the only one coming for us, and he comes to bring everything. So for that sin, Jesus died. He died to forgive you. And we declare in the name of Jesus that your sins are forgiven. That that which you feel rubbish about today... The Father in heaven forgives you. And better than that, 
he cleanses you. He, 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 he washes you. He, he releases you from its power and its grip. And he separates them as far as the east is from the west from us. That's how far he puts our sin away from us. There is no guilt, condemnation for those who are in Christ. And it's time maybe for you to forgive yourself because God has forgiven you. And when God has forgiven you and you choose not to forgive yourself, you're somehow saying you're important. Your judgment is better than his. You are right and he is wrong. And he says, I love you, I forgive you, I cleanse you. Holy Spirit, would you cleanse our hearts right now in the deepest, darkest places where we need the touch of your Holy Spirit, would you come? And for those of us who uh, have stood for a rock of sickness, Lord Jesus, you are the great healer, the great physician. By your wounds on the cross, we are healed, we're released. So we simply say to you, healing Jesus. I'm blind and I want to see. I'm a leper and I want you to touch me. Whatever it is that you want God to touch, just whisper it to him now. Not because he doesn't know, but because you need to consciously give it to him. Healing Jesus, would you come and work in us just now? And for those of us carrying heavy rocks of things that have happened to us, maybe a loss that we've experienced, a grief that we're still carrying, a circumstance that changed everything. Maybe we resonated with Margaret whenever we talked about Margaret and someone wrote on the blackboard all those rubbishy, lying, untruthful words about Margaret and they ended up defining who she was. Maybe something's happened to you and you still feel it defines who you are. You still live under the shadow of it. I want to invite you to look at that moment in your life and to discover, as Margaret did, that Jesus is there. And as you look to him, listen to him, receive all that he brings to your life in that painful place. He's gloriously outside time and can meet us where we're hurting and can meet us where we're wounded. Meet us where we're crushed. Come, Lord Jesus. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us now about what we might need to do. There might be something that we need to do, an action that we need to take to show to ourselves, maybe more than you, that we're serious, that we mean business. Maybe there's something we know we need to go and say to somebody. Maybe there's a story we need to share with somebody else to hold us accountable. 
Maybe there's a, a new way of thinking that we need to embrace this week because we're saying no to the old. We're not going to think like that anymore. I'm not going to think like I'm less than who you've made me to be because that's a lie and I'm choosing to believe what Jesus says. And so there may be something you need to do. Lord, speak to us as we stand about what we need to do now to walk out what you're doing in our lives. Father who art in heaven, holy, hallowed, honoured, be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth in our lives as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us everything we need to live for you that your kingdom might come. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. As we let them go, as we let them off the hook. As we say we'll no longer live with bitterness and anger and resentment. We let them go as you've let our sins go. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen 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 please be seated and uh if God's been speaking and working and you know there's something that you need to do and you need help with that then uh please before you leave the farm today Find uh, somebody to be sharing that with, that you can journey with. Come and find me. Come and find one of the ministry team, whoever it might be. Just find someone to take the journey on with today. It's been great having Matt with us, hasn't it? Oh, that was a relief. For a moment, I thought you might, might have said something else. As I was in mid-sentence, I thought, what a foolish thing to say so publicly with him present. Matt, would you come for a moment? Uh, just that we can, uh, uh, we want to pray for you in just a moment. Great. But you've talked about urban saints. Sounds really weird and quite dodgy mm. to us. It is. Uh, so we want to find out a little bit about that. Uh, and to help us dive right in, you mentioned last night, I think it was, that you got a right load of hassle when you changed the name. True. Yeah, but it was someone's feeling sorry for you in the house. But clearly, it was much more than changing a name. There's no such thing as just a name, no, is there? No, no. I mean, the uh, so for those of you who are not familiar with Urban Saints or Crusaders as it is, uh, we've been around for about 105 years, as I said, and our passion is about seeing children and young people who don't know Christ find Christ and become radical adventurers. And, uh, and we do that in two main ways, through resourcing uh, the local church, and we serve about 900 churches, including your own, uh, with training materials and resources and things for youth and children's outreach, 
and then running a range of experiences, holidays, things like Mexico, where young people can find Christ or embrace his adventure. And we've been, I've been there for 11 years, and in the last 11 years, we've really been on a journey um, of refreshing, of change, because what happens with any organization, church, company, that's been around for a long time, there's the danger of institutionalization. I know it's a shocker, I know I can tell. And uh, you just end up, if you're not careful, being precious about the wrong things, and you forget what you're really all about. And so we've been going on a process of change to, to get back to the main thing, which is about mission and seeing kids find Christ. And, uh, and there have been lots of changes in the movement leading up to 2006. We celebrated our centenary in 2006 as Crusaders, and then kind of relaunched in 2007 and the name change, which was primarily driven by a commitment to mission, we, we wanted a name that would resonate more strongly with young people. Uh, that was our primary reason for doing it. But actually, it also symbolized what God was doing in us. It was a new time. It was a new season. And often in Scripture, when, when God invoked that, he gave a new name. And so it was very much rooted in that, which is a very long answer to a short question that you asked me. No, no, it was very helpful. So what now yeah. is really firing all you guys at Urban Saints? What, what's, what's on the money just at the minute? I, I guess, you know, we, we've just come through a process of looking at our strategy and vision, and, uh, and we have a dream for the next 10 or so years to really see, not just through Urban Saints, but through loads of churches, through other organizations, Scripture Union, Youth for Christ, these are all of these great organizations that I'm sure some of you are familiar with, to really see something massive, significant happen amongst this generation of young people. We strongly feel that um, this is a really, every generation is an important generation, but there's a, there's a particular demand, anointing, challenge from God on this generation when I first began at Urban Saints in November, uh, in May 2000, six months in, I felt the Lord speak to me from a passage of Scripture in Judges 2 verse 10 uh, that speaks about a whole generation who grew up who did not know God or what God had done for Israel and how that almost spoke prophetically over this generation. Jesus tells a parable, and it was quoted in the prayer, of he goes looking for the one sheep and the 99 um, in the flock. Today, it's the other way around. We're going for the 99 because there's only one in the fold. And, um, and what the Lord said to me was, Matt, if you think it's bad now, what will it be like in 20 or 30 years if something doesn't significantly happen amongst this generation, amongst these guys, that they get so radical for Christ that they become the baton carriers and the torchbearers for the coming generations? And so we are praying and working towards how can we equip the church, inspire the church to see a movement of radical young people who will actually see um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of kids come to faith in the next 20 or 30 years. And, and, and another time, not now, God's, we feel like God's given us a strategy tangibly about how that could happen, and we're really pumped about that. Brilliant. How exciting. Okay, so um, this question might sound like that strategy question, but uh, maybe it's too big to answer now. But, but when we think of youth work, different generations here have a, have a particular picture of what youth work looks like. Give us a picture of what youth work amongst urban saints looks like just now. Do you know, it's a different world. It's a different culture. Yeah. Or is it? I, or is it? 
Well, I guess some things have changed and some things never change. And so we know that some of the pressures that young people are facing today are absolutely huge. Uh, Rob Parsons, the guy from Care for the Family, tells the story of a conversation he had with a psychologist where the psychologist said, look, 20 or 30 years ago, if you were a teenager growing up, life was like walking down a long corridor and there were doors along the corridor that said drugs and sex and alcohol and sexualization and all that kind of stuff. But most of the doors were closed and locked and you would have to know certain people to get in. Today, all the doors are open. Everything's accessible. And so from that point of view, I would say the pressure on young people is immense. And the young people that we're all working with today who are outside the church are much further back than, uh, than previously even in my generation. And so um, there are many, many more children young people who are atheists today because they're growing up in a home where their parents never even went to church. And so that's different. But what's the same, what has never changed in thousands of years of world history, is it's all about relationships. It's all about investing time and love and compassion. And, and I know young people who, um, who go to what some of us might deem really naff churches, um, but, but they go because they're loved. They go because there's community. And we're all looking for a place to belong, to be accepted. And so the fundamentals haven't changed. And so whether you're 19 or 90 years old, it's essential you're involved in youth and children's ministry. They need you. Brilliant. And how can we pray for you? Uh, we've been really blessed by the way you've opened God's word up to us. Uh, we'd like you to go feeling blessed. Uh, so what, what can we pray for you now, right now? Uh, and then when we think about Matt next week, next month, next year, yeah, what, what, what would you like to be on the tip of our hearts lifting to God? Well, I have been firstly really blessed by being with you guys. I've, I've loved it, just hanging out with you. It's been great. And I always love preaching God's word. Um, I, I think the, the one thing really, and I was talking to Kerry about this last night, I alluded to this a little bit. I'm leading this little double life at the moment um, in terms of work. So I'm working full-time for Urban Saints, uh, but trialing as a volunteer leading our church with a view that in a year's time, I'll probably work a couple of days a week as the leader of our local church, taking over from my dad, and then uh, three or four days a week as the kind of ambassador for Urban Saints. And I guess my prayer is uh, wisdom to know what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing, because I'm working too hard, working too many hours, um, and then the courage to do what God tells me to do. Brilliant. There's no one here who understands any of those challenges, are there? <laughs> right, okay. So a few of you as representative of the whole, would you come? Let's, uh, let's place our hands on, uh, on Matt. Let's give him the right hand of fellowship as we pray for him. Come on, a few people, could you come? Um, uh, and let's stand together, shall we, as we pray? Lord, we want to thank you for men like Matt who have sought you, who have been before you and called out to you. We want to thank you that they've heard you and that they're willing to do something for you. Lord, I share with him that heartbreak of a generation growing up not knowing you, uh, not finding you interesting, not not even beginning to uh, grasp how great you are. And Lord, in that frustration for Matt, you have spoken words into him uh, that he is going to carry and lead and encourage others 
with. Lord, we thank you for all you have done in the past for Urban Saints. We want to thank you for the 105 years of Crusaders and now Urban Saints where many children and young people have found you. And we offer you praise and thanks, but we know that is just but a drop in the water of what you're longing to do in the coming years. And so we stand with Matt. We thank you for him. And we stand with him saying that we are seeking you, O God of heaven, to use him and others as well, Lord Jesus, to inspire a generation of young people for change. We're asking that you will provide all that he needs, finance, uh, motivation, time, an effective team, good partnership. Lord Jesus, we're asking that in that, that you will bring your plans to fruit. Lord, we want to thank you for every Urban Saints group and every church who uses the resources around this nation. And Lord, we ask that you continue to help Matt to be ahead of the game with that, Mm. to uh, lead his team so that the resourcing is there for churches and the churches are ready to be inspired to see a a generation of change. Lord, we want to thank you for him. We ask that you pour out your blessing on him in these moments, in these days. Restore to him all that he has given to us. And Lord, be his vision, be his guide, be his wisdom, be all that he needs. Lord, we're knocking on the door of heaven here. (laughs) We're asking for a massive change in this nation. May this generation be written in the history books because they have found you and they have chased you and they have sought you, but then they've been changed by you and then they've gone and sought their friends and said, listen, this Jesus guy, he's really something that you should believe in. Lord, we're asking that there'll be a wave of change through the nations in this time, Lord, that this generation will rise. Open the door of heaven and pour your blessing on it, we ask. Father God, we just want to pray for Matt's family and for Matt as a husband and a dad. And pray, Father God, that you'll give him the passion and the wisdom to lead in his home and to keep relationships strong and to enable his boys to become men of God. Lord, we pray to stand up and fight for the honor of your name. I pray for Matt's wife, that you'll give her wisdom as uh, Matt and the family seek you as to how to alter his workload and his hours. But we pray, Father God, for blessing on this family unit with the changes that are coming with university and different things that you will cement and strengthen relationships that they will flourish in new ways Amen And so we want to say thank you Lord for the way you give gifts to your church and we want to thank you for the way that we recognize uh, these last few days the gift that Matt is to your church. The way he's opened up your word, the way he speaks with clarity and revelation, the way truth comes alive and above all draws us to Jesus. Mm. 
So we pray for that gift within him as pastor and as leader. And pray, Lord God, that you would do exceedingly more mm. than any of us might dare to ask or imagine. Yes. And build faith because we can see your power already at work within him. So be glory mm. in Christ Jesus through this man's ministry, we pray. And may he bring many Timothys along yes. to rise up. May they go further than him. May they yeah. go faster than him. Yeah. May they make bigger, punch bigger holes in the darkness yes, than even Lord. he is doing just now. Yes. So we ask, Lord God, for him, for urban saints, for his family, for his church, the great shalom yeah. and the knowledge that that day is coming. Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Please be seated just for a moment. And uh, we're going to give Matt just a, a final five or, or ten minutes just to, just to challenge us as we uh, go out into the rest of uh, this week and beyond. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you again uh, for this time with you. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you for those prayers. I want to leave you with a final thought this morning, something that God has absolutely nailed me on this year. And uh, it's, a, it's a whole other teaching, preaching thing, but you're going to get the five-minute version, okay? So those who have clocks, set your clock and start frowning at me. Here's, here's the big idea, simple sentence. I've got it on the bottom of my email. Cynicism dressed up as realism kills hope. Cynicism dressed up as realism kills hope. When you go home later, look at 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7. It's a brilliant story of um, a terrible famine that's besieged the city of Samaria. The Arameans have come back to the city to attack it, but they have a different strategy this time. They've surrounded the city so no one can get in and no one can get out. And so they're essentially bleeding the city dry. The city is resorting to cannibalism. King Joram is so ticked off by this, he decides that he's going to cut off Elisha's head because Elisha is the man of God. And so he goes to Elisha's house with a, an entourage and his kind of prime minister right-hand man. The Lord's given Elisha a prophetic word that the king's on his way to cut his head off. And like all good, wise, prophetic guys, he locks the door. <laughs> the king wants to come in. He won't let him in. And then Elisha speaks prophetically through the door and says, in 24 hours, this famine is over. And the king's right-hand man speaks through to Elisha and says, you check me out on this. Even if God would open the windows, the floodgates of heaven, that could never happen. And Elisha says, it will happen. You'll see it happen, but you won't get to experience any of it. It's a great story then about four lepers. It feels like a joke. There were four lepers outside the walls of Samaria and to cut a long story short, God has sent the sound of a mighty army. The Arameans have fled. The famine is over. The city rush out to eat the food, get the spoils. And as they do, the man who doubted is trampled to death. It's an amazing story. But you see, when this guy said to Elisha, seriously, Elisha, I'm just being realistic. God could never do something so miraculous in short, such a short space of time. He was... He was Kind of saying, I'm just being realistic. But friends, he wasn't being realistic. He was being cynical. 
And, and we live in a nation that has a spirit of cynicism rife within it. Our whole media is known, our newspapers, our press are known throughout the world to be cynical. We tear things down, we doubt, we pull people apart. And the truth is, if we all know, and I'm sure it's not true of Burlington, but it's just as rife in the church as somewhere else. Someone comes to your church and they tell a miraculous story. I've told you some stories this week, the story about Doug. And if you're honest, some of you said, I don't know if I believe that's true. Cynicism but it robs us of hope. It robs us of hope. George Bernard Shaw said, some mean, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. <laughs> why can't things change? Why can't things be different? My spiritual director, a guy called Pete Gilbert, he says this, sometimes God takes years to do something in seconds. Think about it. Sometimes we're praying for something for years and we're dreaming for years and we're just saying, God, please, if this situation could change. And then suddenly it changes, it shifts. And I believe prophetically, and you guys have got to weigh this as a church, we are coming, almost with the turn of this year, we are in a season, a time when there is an acceleration, where God is wanting to do things much more rapidly, much more quickly. There's a level of favor, a supernatural anointing in terms of healing and salvation, and that God is looking for people who would dare to believe that things can change in a big way. This is the time to dream big. And dream big in the context of Ephesians 3.20, like um, Simon just prayed, that he is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. You can't outdream God, so dare to dream some big dreams. I'm dreaming in the next 10 years that 2 million young people will come to faith. That's my dream. Because statistics say that if 2 million, over 15 to 20% of a population, the youth population, come to faith, the tipping point, as Malcolm Gladwell calls it, it starts to influence and infiltrate the whole culture. So I'm dreaming for 2 million. It's not some pipe dream. As I said, I haven't got time to tell you now, but we feel like God's given us a strategy to actually see that happen. It needs the wind of the Spirit. No man can do it. It needs the favor of God all over it. But I believe it's in God's heart because God doesn't want anybody to be lost. And so I want to encourage you at the end of this weekend as we've been thinking about wanting to be a missional church, getting out into the world, not playing it safe, being courageous, moving the fence. I want to finish this weekend and say, dream big. Dream big. Believe big. Your God is far bigger than anything you can imagine. Nothing is impossible for you. Don't limit him. Don't put him in a box. Dream big. Start believing that stuff that you've been praying for for years will change in seconds. Dream big. This is the time. This is the time. I know that some of us have had disappointments, but friends, I want to tell you, this is the time. How big is your God? Cynicism dressed up as realism kills hope. I would rather be naive. I would rather people say, Matt, you're just being triumphalist, two million young people. I don't care. You can think what you want about me. I'm giving the next 10 years of my life to this. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm throwing myself wholeheartedly into seeing two million kids come to faith. And if they don't, well, that's all on God. But I'm giving my life for that cause. I'm partnering with God on that, and I'm praying like crazy, because only he can do it. 
dream big. So call me naive. Go right ahead, I don't care. But I'd rather be naive than be cynical. Because it quenches hope and it quenches the spirit. And so as we finish this weekend, I'm done. Be inspired to be a people of hope. A people who dare to do great things for God. Who cooperate with God. Who even have the boldness to say to Father God, I dare you. I dare you. Who turn to the creator of the universe and with every fiber of their being say to him, Come on! Are you with me? God bless you. It's been great being with you. Thank you.